This is Stinky Lulu Says, an irregular podcast about contemporary theater. My name is Brian Herrera, and I'm Stinky Lulu. I'm also a theater professor, and I see a lot of shows, and Stinky Lulu Says is the place where I get my say about what I see. In this installment, Stinky Lulu has something to say about Skeleton Crew by Dominique Morisot, directed by Ruben Santiago Hudson, as presented by New York's Atlantic Theater Company in May and June 2016. I think about casting a lot. I always have. And I mean, I'm even writing a book about casting, about the the history of how actors have gotten jobs over the last 150 years. So it's no surprise that I think about casting when I go to shows. And part of, I think, what fascinates me about casting is that casting is a moment where, where theater and performance as a space of infinite possibility comes into collision with theater and performance as a space of profoundly human and material limitations. Anything can happen, but we have to do it with the bodies that are here. I'm always interested when the show forces me to think through questions of casting in new and precise ways, and that's what I came out thinking about when I saw the quite impressive production of Dominique Morisot's play Skeleton Crew. Now, Morisot's play is part of a series of plays that really deal with questions of the economy and industry and community in Detroit in the contemporary moment. And this play, Skeleton Crew, is set in Detroit, Michigan at a stamping place plant in the winter somewhere around year 2008. Skeleton Crew tells the story of four workers, all of African descent, who are workers in this plant. The play has a unit set of a a somewhat shabby but well-utilized break room. One of those weird interstitial workplace spaces where banal intimacies accrue. Skeleton Crew's four characters include the character of Dez, played in this production by Jason Durden. Dez is a guy who takes his job seriously, mostly as a means to an end, and that end is creating a nest egg to permit him to get out of this job. In contrast, there's Shanita, played here by Nakia Mathis, a single mother who, who's also good at her job. She's responsible doing her job. This is something that she is good at. She sees this as a potential long-term path. There's also Reggie, played here by Wendell B. Franklin, who is not that much older than either Des or Shanita, who not that long ago became management at the plant and wants to make sure that he builds a future for himself and his family and is sort of doesn't seem to particularly enjoy his job, but definitely realizes the opportunity of it. And finally, rounding this out is the older person of the foursome, Faye, who's been working on this job for a long time. She's approaching that a crucial threshold of a 30-year mark, which will up her benefits in terms of retirement and pension. As the title Skeleton Crew suggests, there is a foreboding uncertainty for each of these workers, specifically a nagging question of whether the plant will stay open long enough for them to realize their dreams, whether long-term dreams like Shanita's or Reggie's, short-term dreams like Dez's, or dreams that are only just around the corner on like phase. This sense of unease and anxiety filters into the, the distilled pungency of what it feels like to be in this break room in all kinds of ways, and informing how these characters relate to each other. And as the play unfolds, secrets are revealed, discoveries are made. It becomes a workplace family drama, where we begin to see how these relationships forged in this workplace environment actually do have the connective tissue of family. And the sacrifices and choices that the characters make with and for each other do confirm that as the play unfolds. Dominique Morris 
Rousseau's Skeleton Crew is a play worth reading, it's a play worth seeing, it's a play worth doing. And it's a play that I found striking in its vivid, intimate portrait of the emotional costs of precarious employment. These are folks who all have very good jobs, yet work in the work in a constant uncertainty of whether the jobs will last. And so it names of a very particular form of workplace precarity and the psychic and emotional costs of particular workers in a vulnerable industry. Morisot has an ear for deeply honest language. There's a distilled poetry to Morisot's dialogue. There's something independent and distinctive about Morisot's work that, that, that is operating in its own vocabulary. It's worth listening to. But I wanted to talk about Dominique Morisot's skeleton crew mostly because there was something about the casting of the character of Faye. I don't know that I have ever seen a character like Faye on the American stage. Faye is coming up on 30 years of retirement, so she could be in her 50s, she could be in her 60s, maybe even in her 70s. It's hard to say. She is a worker. She is also a labor advocate. She's a community organizer. She's a woman who has shared the most significant emotional relationship in her life with another woman. There's something very powerful about the quiet, resolute pride that Faye understands about herself and that Faye embodies in the world of this play. She is solid. She is strong. She is taken seriously by every man and every woman we see in the space of the play. She is a leader. She is a worker. She likes playing cards. She's a, she's a formidable woman, and she's also, as I came to understand as I watched play, a butch woman. A woman who presents in a, with a degree of masculinity that is a key part of who she is. She is a woman who inhabits a, a mode of what some have called female masculinity. And what was striking to me about this production is that Lydia Gravat, who plays Faye, extraordinary act, really good, great presence and a good deal of skill, but in some ways was too soft to play the hard butch of Faye. As I watched the play, I discovered Faye's butchness, her masculinity. I discovered those features of who Faye is as the play unfolded. And that confused, in some ways, the momentum of the play, because Faye has other mysteries to reveal, other secrets she is withholding. It is not a secret that she is butch. It is not a secret that she is lesbian. It is not a secret that she is a masculine-presenting woman. Those are not secrets for Faye. But the fact that I, as a relatively sophisticated connoisseur of butchness, had to piece the fact of Faye's butchness to together, out of what other characters said about Faye, what Faye said about herself, that I had to figure out Faye's butchness threw off the balance of the character somehow. The character of Faye is an extraordinary character and that is worth understanding and worth knowing. The paradox of this production, even with Linda Gravatt's really expert portrayal, but the failings of that portrayal came in the failings of first impression. In this play, we think we know who these characters are the second we see them. And the fact that I had to figure out who Faye was threw that off balance. This opens up questions about casting, and especially about choosing to write a play like Skeleton Crew that relies so heavily on a central character like Faye. Are you going to be able to find professional women actors of African descent of a certain age who are ready, willing, and capable of portraying this character's masculine self-presentation with clarity, sophistication, and respect? It's the casting catch-22. The limited roles that the industry does make available to African-American women actors of a certain age simply does not cultivate a working pool of professional actors who possess both the acting chops and the qualities or attributes that are especially apt for a distinctive role like Faye. It's a casting dilemma that also opens up questions of interpretation and meaning. And while Nikia Mathis might have had other opportunities 
opportunities to play fast-talking, hard-edged sweetheart who also were able to take care of themselves. That's a kind of type that a younger African-American actress might be expected to play, just as either Jason Durden or Wendell Franklin might be expected to play either the streetwise guy like Daz or the upwardly mobile guy like, like Reggie. These are the admittedly limited sorts of roles that actors like Mathis and Durden and Franklin likely are seen for on a fairly routine basis. But for an actor like Linda Gravatt, she's likely called in for roles like Mama and Raisin in the Sun, a role based on her bio. She's played a half dozen times, but even a seriously working actor like Gravatt has likely not been called in for, let alone asked to play, that many roles like Faye. And this opens up really interesting questions for me of how can the theater be ready and equipped to take on the opportunities that a play like Dominique Morisot's Skeleton Crew presents? This is a play that offers a complicated, nuanced portrait of a working-class hero, the likes of whom we have not seen on the American stage, or on the American screen, for that matter. But the habits of the American theater industry will make this play hard to produce because of this paradox, this catch-22 of do we have an actor to play Faye? It's one of the most persistent and pernicious paradoxes of casting in the American theater industry. The way the industry supports the cultivation of certain kinds of actors while excluding, through lack of opportunity, others. The challenge and the provocation that Dominique Morisot's skeleton crew presents to the industry is one worth heeding. When, when a play like this comes across the desk, I'm sure Sure, many artistic directors and others are saying this is great, but who would play Faye? That's a problem. It's underscored palpably in this production. And as good as Lydia Gravatt is, there's something not quite right about her in her role. And that's the paradox of casting. It's a moment where the possibilities of theater to tell stories and to make worlds comes into collision with the cruel materialities of theater making as it exists in our contemporary moment. And that's what Stinky Lulu has to say about Skeleton Crew by Dominique Morisot is presented by New York's Atlantic Theatre Company under the direction of Ruben Santiago Hudson in May and June 2016. As always, thanks so much for listening. And if you've got questions, suggestions, feedback, requests, protestations, contestations, bring them on. I'm, I'm easily available on social media at StinkyLulu on both Twitter and Instagram. If you like email, StinkyLulu at gmail.com. I'm always interested to hear whatever you have to say about what Stinky Lulu says. No promises. I will reply, but I can promise you. I, I'm always interested to hear what you have to say about what Stinky Lulu says. So until next time, give a thought to the last time you saw a show in which a particular casting challenge revealed not only the extraordinary possibility of theater to tell new and remarkable stories in new and remarkable ways, even as it also underscored the particular limits of the theater industry or of a particular theater community or company. Because really, if more playwrights that the stature and skill of Dominique Morisot wrote more roles like Faye, really compelling characters, interesting, deep, and complex, that happened to be masculine-presenting African-American women of a certain age, it might just happen that the theater industry would respond by developing a cohort of talented, capable performers ready to take on such challenges. Because that's the paradox of casting in theater, to reveal both the possibility of theater making, even in the face of its starkest limitations. At least, that's what Stinky Lulu says.